Two seconds. Winnell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And Wyatt! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. And heard about him, and now we know about him. A star on the NCAA tournament stage. Stephen Curry leads What's up, everybody? This is Will, and I'm the host of Blue Buds Hoops, a brand new college basketball podcast. I'll be joined each episode with my dad, Chris, who is not here right now. Uh, I think he had to go look for arrowheads or something. I don't know. But anyway, we'll be joined with my dad, Chris, and also my cousin, Jack. Yeah, from uh, All Pacers Pod. And this is going to be the newest podcast sh- or show on the All Indie Sports network of podcasts. So, what, this is number four. So, I'm really stoked for this one. We got some great interviews lined up already. You want to talk about the first one? Or what? Uh, let me ask you a few questions, Will, because you're the host of this. I, I, I'm curious. Sure. And Chris too, if if you ever show up, you said Arrowheads still not here. He must have been. He must have gotten into something good. I don't know. Yeah, you told me earlier he he scheduled looking for Arrowheads from one to four. Correct. He had it. He had the whole time blocked out in his day. You know, he was doing something this morning, one to four, Arrowhead hunting, and uh, then the podcast. But he's not here, so. <laughs> Not sure what the deal is. Yeah. So okay. So what's your what's your goal with this podcast? You said college hoops. Did you play college hoops? I, I'm just curious. Like, why? What makes you right for this kind of podcast? Yeah, man. I mean, I've been around basketball my whole life. Um, I I would not say that I was the greatest player ever, obviously, but you know, I did play in college at um, the NAIA level, uh, one year Division two. Um, but anyway, yeah. Like I said, Division two NCAA NCAA Division two for one year only though. Because um, I played NAI Division Two, and I I would guess that's very different than incident and not basketball either. But hey, man, if it's college basketball and you play it, you got my respect. So that's all I can say. Um, but yeah, no way, shape, or form am I the greatest player ever. But you know, I do like to think I know a thing or two about the game. I've been around it my whole life, like I said. So that's what I think quali- qualifies and me for this. I gotta ask, what school did you play at? I mean. We, the people want to know. Yeah, so it was Purdue University Northwest. Uh, when I first got there, it was Purdue University Calumet. Um, my second year, it became Purdue Northwest. So, yeah, played in high school at Rock Creek Academy in southern Indiana. And now I'm here. What yeah. can I say? And playing basketball in Indiana and that whole circuit, I mean, that's just like a whole new or a whole different kind of speed of basketball in the country. So, I mean, you kind of got a unique perspective on basketball. There's nothing like it. Um, nothing compares, uh, you'll hear in our first, you know, podcast episode here in a little bit, um, people that are from other places come to Indiana and then they, you know, if they don't know, then they, then they figure it out. Or if they already knew, then they just see it again. Um, it's special. It's different here. I know everybody says that, but, um, if you don't believe it, you know, I just would say, come, come see it. You're wrong. Oh yeah. Or that. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're wrong. (laughs) And then your dad's Chris. He's a basketball coach in the area too. He was your coach in high school. Yep, he's still coaching. He's the coach for Rock Creek Academy. Um, he did coach me in high school. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. Uh, we have tons oh, for of, sure. You know, we got a ton of stuff to talk about with that. Um, that that could be a whole episode <laughs> in its own right, probably. But yeah, he's still coaching. Um, I think he's been going for like 25 years now or something. He he, if he was here. Uh, which again still not here those arrowheads aren't going to find themselves <laughs> they're not 
Um, he, he could tell you the exact amount of years, but yeah, he's been in there for a while is my point. So he knows a thing or two also. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. Like, like I said, I didn't play college basketball. I don't have the same perspective you guys have even in the high school level. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm excited for this podcast. Like I said, we got some great interviews lined up. You want to talk about the first one? All right, yeah. So for our first guest, we have uh, former Indiana Hoosier and George Washington Colonial Maurice Creek. If you're an Indiana fan in particular, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, fantastic freshman year for him in Indiana, especially against the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, put up 30 points. 31. 31 points, excuse me. Uh, five threes. And, you know, was just a terrific talent his first few games. Was leading the nation in scoring at like 17 or 18 a game. For freshmen. For freshmen, for freshmen yeah. So I know he's going to be awesome. I know we're going to have some great stories and, you know, just hear some great stuff from him. Really excited. Looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, and if you haven't heard, if you're in Indiana, I'm sure you've heard. He was in Ukraine when the war broke out. Yeah, definitely going to ask him about that because it's, you know, something that's big going on in the world right now. So, I think it'll be interesting to get his perspective on that and, uh, you know, just see what he thinks, see how um, he dealt with that and how he got to where, where he is now. All right, man. Well, I am excited for this podcast going forward. I think you guys are going to have a, a fun time with this successful show going forward. It is the fourth show on the All Indy Sports Network of Podcasts. Here he is, Chris, your dad. Looks like he finally has arrived. Um, did you get any arrowheads for us? Just one bottom. That's not the answer we wanted. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you have anything else you want to say about your show for like what your plans are? Or do you just want to get into this interview? No, you know, I think we've waited long enough. I think it's it's time to just talk to Maurice Creek and see what he has to say. So this is our first episode. And with us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, we're joined by former Indiana Hoosier and George Washington Colonial Maurice Creek. Maurice, thanks again for joining us today. It's awesome to have you. Uh, how's it been going? Uh, everything's going well, you know, back in uh, Indiana for the first time in years. So it uh, feels like home. Before we get into everything, you know, asking all the questions we have set for you today, I just got to ask one thing. This is something we want to ask all of our guests. Um, so in your opinion, I know you've been around basketball for a long time now. I know you probably have an opinion. So... Who do you think is the greatest of all time? And I'm going to give you two choices, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Here and then we go. You just give me a reason why. I got to say uh, Michael Jordan. Um, I'm, I'm one of the guys that are about winning. And when I think about Mike, I think uh, he does anything and everything. To win, you know, um, he puts it in his hands. And not saying LeBron doesn't, but... Um, in my eyes, I feel like LeBron, uh, he could do more. He could have done more. You know what I mean? If he, if LeBron wanted six rings, he could have got that. You know, I think so. But, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot more opinions about it. Um, I've watched Mike as a kid, and I had the opportunity to watch him live when he played with the Wizards. And he just never changed. He never wavered. I actually met him. Um, before uh, when I was a kid. So just to, you know, be around that, um, actually feel his presence and how he works at the game and um, to actually watch him as a kid and, you know, to see him play when he's a wizard too, it you just feel the winning presence of his body, you know what I mean? And 
Um, like I said, LeBron's going to always be a winner to compare to, you know, to anybody else that's in the, you know, in the league right now. You know, he's the all like he's the overall great. You know, he does everything. But sometimes doing everything doesn't contribute to winning when it needs to be, when it when it needs to happen. And um, that's why I feel like MJ is the greatest. Well, hey, that's fair to say. I don't think I can argue with that. That's uh, a great way to look at it. Oh, it's um, well put. Well, I mean, and it, it, I'm glad he said it because it's a different perspective and getting on the winning. Everybody always talks about the six championships and this and that and all this, and uh, that was a good angle. That was that was well put. Well, with that being said, we got score one for Michael Jordan. So we'll see where this goes each and every episode. But thank you for your input on that. Bro. So first question for you. Um, we'll just go back to, I guess, the beginnings of your career. You know, when you first started, who were some of the people that you looked up to in the basketball world or, I guess, you know, players that influenced your game, you know, anything like that? Well, to begin, um, it definitely was MJ. Like, being a guy from uh, from Maryland, like a lower part of Maryland, like, I, I kind of feel his presence of him being from the countryside of North Carolina. And uh, he works – Hard of the games, like I work hard at it. You know, I took, watched a lot of him. You know, all his like highlight tapes and everything. Wanted to be just like, you know, just the, the how he gets the job done. That's exactly where I took it from. And um, another guy was Tracy McGrady. That's like my all-time favorite player. And uh, you know, he's just all like a the all around score and that's where I try to put myself as um into um not athletic like Tracy uh well not anymore but uh um the way he just makes the game easy for himself is uh what I want to do in this game so when you're growing up playing basketball I mean I know you're in like the whole world of AAU high school you guys can speak on this more than me but when did you first know like that you had what it takes to maybe make it to the next level? When did you first notice that? It's funny. Me and my dad talked about this, like, just not too long ago. But um, he thought I had it when I was, like, a kid. Like, when I was seven years old and I started playing, like, like organized basketball. And I would dominate the kids. And he just kind of in the fire uh, back then. I think I, I kind of picked it up. Um, my sophomore year of high school, um, when I came back my sophomore year, um, that was the the definition year of Maurice Creek. And that's when everything kind of solidified who I really actually was. Um, picking up the, the my first offer, big offer from Maryland, and, uh, you know, averaging uh, 22.4 points a game at Oxen Hill um, as a sophomore, getting all met as a sophomore, that's that's like big time. Not not a lot of people can do that. So um I think I had like three thirty point like four thirty point games and th- three forty point games that year. So it just was um was a big year for me. And then from there on in I just felt like I, I had it. So you went to Hargrave uh, eventually. Um Hargrave Military, um, the Jew in Mountain Zion Christian Academy. Uh, did y'all play those guys in uh, in uh, on the circuit or on the regular season game? I guess. No, 
So uh, I was, when I went to a hard grade military academy, that was my prep year. Um, I had classes the freshman when I went to Mount Zion Christian Academy. And um, so Mount Zion, it's, it's a prep school, but we didn't end up playing them. They didn't play them. I just remember T-Mac. I think he went there. Uh, Tracy McGrady went there. One of the reasons why I went. I <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so um, from the East Coast, from – uh, Maryland or North Carolina? Which one was it? I'm from Maryland. Maryland, okay. And that, I know you said that was your first big offer. Um, what, who were some of the other schools, I guess, that um, you had, you know, offers from that you were really considering? Well, I had uh, offers from Michigan, Duke, Carolina. Um, but it came down to Miami, Indiana for my last two. Okay, so then my next question going off of that was – um, now, kind of getting into your college years from from high school and you know the one prep year, what made you pick Indiana over the other schools that were offered you? You know, um, I guess what what sold it for you? Well, my first uh, my first thought was I was going to go to Carolina, um, but uh, Carolina picked uh, Dexter Strickland over top of me. Um, him being a McDonald's All American, and he was one of the top players um, in the Jersey area. Uh, you know, he took the offer. Um, they picked him over top of me. So, I mean, that, that scholarship was gone. Um, then we thought about Miami, but Miami at that time was a football school. It wasn't a basketball school. We come to find out now that it's starting to become a basketball school, you know, with them getting into that, that final four run, that was the team that I was supposed to be on. Um, but uh, I think with – drove me to Indiana was just the history of basketball in the state of Indiana. It's just nothing like it. You know, you, I mean, I have a lot of history in Maryland as far as basketball, but when you think about Indiana, it's kind of like a sleeper as far as basketball. Nobody really knows about it until you actually look up the history of what Indiana basketball is. Um, so it kind of intrigued me just to go there and kind of build off of the history of Indiana. Well, that 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 grassroots level at the high school level, and everything else that that with the the size of the gymnasiums in here, you know Newcastle and Spartan Spartan the Spartan Bowl down at Connorsville, uh, I mean, I'm, the Wigwam up in Anderson. I mean, it's amazing. Ten thousand, you know, eight thousand seat arenas for high school games. That's like football down in in Texas. You know, I mean, but but people don't realize that about Indiana, and that just filters on into the college level. No no doubt. Sure. So now you're at Indiana. You've you know you've picked them. That's where you're gonna go. So around that time, which I'm a big IU fan, and around that time, you know, we were starting to go through this rebuilding phase a little bit. Um, so when you got on campus and stuff, what was the, I guess, what was your um like your, your mentality? Like, what was the um the vibe, if you will? I was just gonna go in there and do what I do best. You know, play the game the right way and. Uh, try to be the best for the team. You know, I I knew we were going into a rebuilding year. We was coming in with six freshmen, and the majority of us was playing. And we knew that. And that's why a lot of people transferred out when we came in, because that's what they knew. We They wanted to go through these phases and stuff right. like that to build the, a championship team in the long run. So um, my whole thing was when I – uh, had the meetings with the coaching staff and stuff. They wanted me to score the basketball just like I did in high school. They didn't want me to come in and do anything else. Honestly, just, you know what I'm saying, make sure, like, 
I play my game and how I do it, and that's what they recruit what they recruited me for. You know, the years after the, after you got there, I remember Fredell Jones, um, Jordan Holes, Christian Watford, all that time. You know, you guys really paved the way to the success that followed in the years after that. Um, you know, I, and I think that's uh, something that we really should remember about that time because IU was going through a hard time, but you guys uh, were, were up to the task and you paved the way and set the foundation to bring the program back. Um, and, you know, your freshman year, you started off hot. I was just reading that I think at through like the first nine or 10 games or something like that, you were leading the nation in scoring as a freshman. And I'm sure you've been asked this already before you had the huge, the monster game against Kentucky, 30 something points. Um, I think five threes, nine of 14 from the floor. He was efficient. He was definitely efficient. <laughs> he that did night. his research on the game. <laughs> hey, I'm a coach. So I, I mean, I do it. I do that. So what was that like playing against the UK that year? Cause they had John wall, uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Bledsoe, I think. So, yeah, what was that like? Well, me and John had just got finished playing against each other in AAU circuit um, the year before, or there were two years before. So, I kind of knew about John before uh, I played against him. And we tried, we was trying to get him here um, to Indiana. But, you know, he picked Kentucky. Uh, oh, that would have been outstanding. <laughs> that would have been outstanding. <laughs> But, um, you know, you can't fault him for picking what he picked, you know. And um, I guess for me, I took it as a challenge. You know, a lot of people didn't expect us to win that game, but I did. You know, I'm I'm always going into every game expecting to win it, no matter who I'm playing against or what they have. Um, that's what I feel. And them being number four in the country, having six pros, seven pros on the team, um, you know, it's just it's a tough task to beat a team like that. Uh, but for me, I just came in focused, uh, calm, cool, and collected. I think everybody else was kind of nervous. Uh, for me, it's just another game. You know, I come in there, I do my job. You know, win or lose, I make sure I'm doing my job. That that was a that was a statement game, though. I mean, that was a statement game. For sure, and uh, I just feel as if. Um, you know, I had to they, – they looked up to me as a leader of the team. And I couldn't come in being all nervous and everything and have everybody else being nervous too. It would have been bad. You know, even though we lost 20, we, we kind of fought. You know, we were only down by one point at halftime. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like, we lost it in the second half, yes, but we fought. And they just hit a lot more shots than us that game, man. You know, that happens in the game of basketball, but it was the effort that a lot of people kind of looked at that year. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm saying. That, that statement was made. I mean, you, you that freshman class, I mean, you all, that, that was a solid group that went in and competed against a phenomenal team. But that brings up my question, uh, which is being a fan of, of IU and, and just college basketball period, I, I put the IU-UK rivalry up there as one of the tops. And how, how how much of a travesty is it that they don't get to they don't play that game right now anymore? Uh, and uh, would you definitely like to see it back up 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 and running on each other's schedules? Yeah, I definitely would. Um, but it's a lot of a lot of rivalries out here that's getting dismantled just off of 
now people are kind of being scared to play one another. Now right. teams are starting to a, a better level with people, and it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, that's like taking away the Carolina and Duke uh, uh, rivalry. Oh, that's like taking away Indiana and Purdue rivalry. You know what I mean? Like that's it's just if it's a rivalry game, it should be played at least once or twice a, a year. You know, yeah. it just it keeps it fun. Um, but of course, these coaches now they're they're so more about winning and not what and not taking that L these these days. Now they they taking all these rivalries away and it's yeah. just tearing the game apart. Well, and I know Coach Calipari at UK didn't like the home and home series. He he was okay with it playing in a neutral site more so than home and home. And obviously Watford's big shot and that that you know all that kind of stuff, but. And it it did, but I mean, I think it it would be a great one to get you know put back up. But how much pressure was on that Purdue game? I mean, is that still like in your all's locker room? Is that is it the same rival feel when you all are prepping for Purdue as it was twenty years prior when Bobby and Coach Coach Knight was coaching and you know his feelings about it? <laughs> Indiana Purdue is is <laughs> that's. I think the biggest rivalry. I don't think. I don't think it's uh, more so the Kentucky and uh, yeah. the Kentucky and Indiana. I think it's more so of the Purdue in Indiana because I mean, we're in the same conference and we like miles down the street from each other, only a couple hours down the street from each other. And you know, it just it goes into every sport, not just basketball. You got to think about it. Do something for the football aspect of it. They're doing something for every type of sport but um i think i uh i gotta blame christian for the uh for the kentucky indiana i think you're right i think you're right on that one <laughs> if they would have won that game i don't think none of that would have mattered but because we won um in indiana and it, now that's what kind of made us you know that made the the uh the number one in the nation team and everything right. that shot and uh ever since then it's kind of like they've been trying to kind of trying to get away and now that they got away it's you know it is what it is but right. yeah i gotta blame christian for that yeah we're they already said they're huge iu fans i am too we're all diehard iu fans so you know obviously all the stuff that happened two seasons before you started your freshman year happened we see some hope with you Watford holes your class coming in and then the game Indiana versus Bryant happens you go down with an injury maybe we were talking about this earlier maybe the worst case of an injury in recent history at least for Indiana basketball where we had all this hope and it's taken away and like we can never even feel how you felt about that but kind of walk us through that moment and like what you were thinking during that whole journey, I guess. Well, um, in my eyes, I just felt like uh, a lot that I've worked for was taken away um, from me and my family. You know, all the work that they put in to get me at this predicament. Um, we were up by like 50 points, but I, I kind of knew what Coach Cream was trying to do, um, keeping me on the floor at that time. But um, you know, when you suffer an injury like how I did, it doesn't really make any sense. And not blaming them for it because, you know, 
I'm the one that did the action. I could have told him like I'm, you know, I'll get it back next game. I could have, I could have told him that, but you know, it didn't happen. And what happened to me happened. Um, I guess uh, I was devastated more so than anything because I knew uh, what I was what I was aiming for, you know, like, and I, I knew my goals, and I felt like. A lot of my goals and uh, um, just my aspirations for, you know, saying playing at the highest level were crushed because of that injury. You know, I never really got the shot that I was supposed to get because of that injury. It didn't matter, like, what happened beforehand. It just was like, oh, he's injured. Now everything's been out the door. Could have left after my freshman year just off the strength of them 12 games and rehab and, you know what I'm saying, seeing where I would have been picked in the draft. Um, But I felt like that would have been a wrong move for the organization, for myself, and for for my draft stock. And I thought – what I thought was when I got back and – from the injury that, you know, I come back ready and I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent. A lot of people knew that, um, but I love the game of basketball and I hate sitting out. I hate sitting out. Um, and I went out there and not a hundred percent hurt myself again. And um, that's when I kind of knew like, it was probably not going to be, not going to happen unless somebody just absolutely takes a shot. And, um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Things happen in the game of basketball, and you just got to take it for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, it was a cruel thing. You were going toe-to-toe with John Wall, Cousins, and all those Kentucky guys a few games before, and it was just in, like, an instant, everything changed. So, uh, yeah, just it's unfortunate that it happened, and I'm sure, like, you found hope through the whole situation eventually, though. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a fighter. That's a, that's one thing I do at the end of the day is uh, uh, I'm a warrior. Um, a lot of people have quit the game after going through every, anything that I went through. Um, having three surgeries in 22 months of your time is something that a lot of people can't endure. They can't – they would – probably not even want to play after the first injury, but then you have two back-to-back like that, they're probably done. It's only a certain few that can get through stuff like that. I'm one of them people, and I knew that I loved the game of basketball. Like, that was something that I don't want nothing to, you know, say nobody to take away from me until it's my, not my time to play again, you know? And um, I just told myself through every injury that I had that I was going to come back better than before and it, I may not be the same I may not have the same explosiveness or athleticism that I had but uh within the time of me um working out then I'll figure out something else that'll make me better than what I was before yeah you know I I, I actually read an article um just like doing some background research and stuff on things that we can talk about um and somebody had interviewed Coach Crean, I think, after one of the probably the most uh, the latest or the last injury you had, and he just spoke to how tough you were, 
kind of just what you said, nobody can go through three surgeries in that short of time. Um, you know, most people can't do that. So, you know, even though we obviously, you know, we would have rather that not happened, um, you definitely have my respect and every other, um, you know, Hoosier fans' respect um, just for persevering through something like that. Um, it's amazing to see, and I think it's just a testament to, you know, not only you as a player, but, you know, yourself as a person, just being that tough-as-nails person who fights through everything. Um, definitely, you know, an inspiration to see. But speaking on those, even though you had those downs, there were some, I would say, some ups also when you are in Indiana. So through all the ups and downs, all the good and bad, is there something that sticks out to you, like a best memory you had at IU when you were there during your years? I just – for me it was more so after the injuries a lot of people um they could see that i was hurting but at the end of the day the team kind of strived and for me to even be able to practice with those guys and see how much they've grown throughout the years that's what amazed me about my team um it was you know we were six and twenty-five my freshman year. Now we were number one in the nation, and people could it. They didn't see the work. Nobody else seen the work. We were just the only ones there that was going through the work and the hard and dedication that uh, that we had. And again, I wasn't playing as much. You know, you bring people in, and under I definitely understand the the business side of it, the aspect. But just to, like I said, practice with those guys and understand where we were at and, and how much we have grown, that was the best thing that could have possibly happened to me again. So then going from IU, I'll start kind of just transitioning even more because obviously your journey didn't stop there. Um, you took a year after that and you went to George Washington University. Um, I would say there you kind, of, you kind of got a second chance to show you could still do what, what we know we – as Hoosier fans and everybody that watched you knew you could do. So did you ever feel like, you know, that was a situation where you got to showcase your skills again and kind of not to say gain your confidence back. Cause I would say you probably never lost it because you're, you're just that confident player. I feel like, but um, did you, I guess feel like you had the, had a good opportunity to do all that stuff when you were there? Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I transferred. Um, me just being completely, totally honest, I knew if I would have transferred out a couple of years back, I may have gotten to the level that I, you know, say everybody is dedicated to go to. Me and how I was thinking about it in my younger stages was like, I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to, you know, say I wanted to go and progress myself through everything and I wanted to play for this team. Well, when you get older, you start to realize that just is just because you want that to happen don't mean that's what somebody else wants for you. You understand? So, like, just because I wanted to play for Indiana University, if it was going to happen, it could have happened by all means. But I worked too hard to get six, seven minutes a game and stuff like that. We were sometimes working two times a day. Um, 
it just was a lot going through my mind and I was losing my confidence. And when I transferred to George Washington, my only goal was to get to the NCAA tournament and play. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, winning national championships is everybody's goal. But we're talking about me coming to George Washington. I wanted to put George Washington on the map because I knew I still had game in me left. And everybody doubted me. It wasn't it wasn't too many people who thought that Maurice Creek had it still. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't too many people. Now, I'm not saying, like, people don't respect me for what I do, but you hear somebody who's had three surgeries all at the lower body, can't really move, um, wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It just was a lot of doubt that I felt throughout my time. And that was that was one of the reasons why, like, I, I transferred out. And a lot of people ask me this every time, you know, like, what made you? That was it, you know? I've, I've been told. I've been told I was always getting beat out. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't beating nobody out in practice, so I never played. Well, I go to George Washington now, and that's somebody who puts confidence in me and instills confidence in me. And I get my team to the NCAA tournament. We're 24-9 and nine as a mid-major. If we go back and look at Indiana that year, what were they? You know what I'm saying? And that's no disrespect. Right. No, that's real, though. It's it's what happened. Yeah. My thing is I'm a competitor. And when you tell me, like, somebody is better than me, or if you tell me that basically they, they were doing it better without me, well, I'll go somewhere else and I'll show you that I'm more, I'm more than what you think I am. And that was my whole goal. I worked so hard in that summertime. I don't think nobody understood um, exactly what I went through and how I pushed. Um, it was crazy just to think, like, I, I stayed in the gym that summer because I, I had that goal. And I had it written on my wall, like, we're going there. And, it's, and it happened, you know? That's what a lot of people understand. And, uh, like, when I ask people, like, why do you play the game of basketball? You know, some people play, say they play it for fun. Some people say they play it to, you know what I'm saying, to make it to the NBA. Well, not everybody's going to make it. So I say, what are your goals? And they can't tell me what their goals are. And that's how I know somebody is not really actually serious about doing it. All right, all right. You know what I'm saying? They, they're serious about trying to make it to the league. You know, say get your family out, get yourself out, make millions of dollars. Cool. I always got a goal in mind every time I step on the floor. What am I doing? Like, how am I going to do it? Where am I going to do this? What is my main goal? My main goal is winning, but how am I going to win? A lot of people love to play the game and can play the game, but what I've learned as a winner and I've learned as a basketball player is you can play the game all you want, but when you don't have a – a mindset or a goal to how you're going to win it, you're going to lose every time. Well, that goes back to who you looked up to and and, and helped instill that into you. Because me being uh, on your side with Michael with MJ being the the best, uh, we we he and I and all of us debate this all the time. But I'm like, I grew up watching that, and I see what I see now. And there was no downtime. There was no downtime with him, and that, that work ethic was unprecedented. He didn't take days off. You know, he played sick. Yeah. Uh, and, and whatnot and that that's uh 
that's you can see that with you. There's no doubt about it. But what what about? Um, I, I actually went. I took in a game, uh, George Washington University game this this uh, past December. That was a, that was a really neat place to watch a basketball game. It was them and and Boston University, and I. White House right around the corner. I mean, it, it was a really cool setup, man. I mean, that that there was so much life downtown right there, not just because of the White House. I mean, in the you know the buildings and stuff. I'm saying it was a really neat environment. How, how was it like to play there? And I, I'm not going to compare it to IU, but how was it? Because I mean, you were playing. I mean, you you were getting to go and you were getting to do your thing. And what what was that like at GWU? You know, like when you're doing it for your city. Um, you want to be the best you can be every time. And like I said, George Washington was never on the map for basketball. I think the last time George, uh, George Washington put themselves on the map for basketball was 2007. You know what I'm saying? Before I got there. Right. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying like any of the teams afterwards didn't do anything because one of the teams after I left won the NIT. And that's hard. To, that's still hard to do. Um, But... For me, it was like I'm playing home again. A lot of my family can come watch me play. A lot of my friends can watch me come watch me play. I'm going to put on for the city. I'm going to be the best team in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And even though we weren't, we were the second best team. VCU, I believe, was first. It was that I, I had, I again, had goals, you know. Maryland was my favorite school. I was going to go to Maryland University, too, over top of they gave my scholarship away. So um, when you got these these thoughts in your mind, like, I'm trying to beat – I was always told I didn't beat nobody out. You know what I mean? Well, now I'm trying to beat everything. I'm trying to beat everybody out. You know what I mean? And that's how I thought about it. So I'm going to be the best team in D.C., Maryland, January, and we happen to be the second-best team as a mid-major that nobody knows about you know <laughs> how was that when you all found out you were in the tournament i mean i, I mean that was we, yeah we were right out we was flat out getting in um we had uh we had the ninth seed we were playing against the eighth seed in in memphis and i just felt like it's a picture that i'm hugging my mom but what people don't know is i cried on her shoulders just because I felt like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. And it felt so good that an organization like George Washington took me. Now, I'm not saying like nobody else did. Like I had Texas and I had Marshall, but Texas, they they took the uh, freshman. And, you know, that's that's kind of the business aspect of it. They get four years out of one guy. They're only getting one out of me. Cool. And Marshall, um, I love the fact that Coach Hearn, um, when he was there, he wanted to put me, put me on board. I knew he was going to let me light it up there, but I wanted to be at home. I felt like I had went through so much stress and trauma when I was at Indiana, not saying I ain't have no good times, but through all the injuries and stuff that I went through and my parents couldn't be there, you know, nobody was there for me. Like, I felt like it should have been like, you know, and I'm not saying, like, out of the organization, but I'm saying, like, I didn't have no family presence. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. a, it's a tough road to get back and forth from Indiana to Maryland. Yeah. Um, and that was, like, the biggest thing for me. Like, I wanted to play home so bad. And um, I actually got that opportunity to do it. 
And I just took it for what it was worth. Like, it was a tough road. Like, it was it was a tough road. But at the end of the day, I knew we had the pieces to win. And that's all we did was win. So the NCAA tournament ends for you guys against Memphis that first round. Um, when did you start your pro journey? Was it right off the bat? And, like, what was your kind of mindset going into that next stage of life? Yeah, my mindset, um, I had threw my name in for the draft. Um, they made draft. And I thought, like, I would have been picked up by uh, the Washington Wizards. I had, I had a – that was only my, my only pro – workout and I feel like I shot the ball really well I felt like I would have been a, a good aspect for the Wizards you know John Wall was there and they had just picked up Brad um I was like yeah that that'd be a good little mix you know what I'm saying even if I then gonna come in after one of them I know I can play the game they did they ended up picking Jordan Clarkson and at that time my name wasn't called or whatever like that I didn't get to the Portsmouth Invitational by I don't know why, um, but it didn't happen. Um, uh, so I guess for me, it was like, all right, let's get to this overseas route and let's see what happens. Well, I didn't have an agent. And the first agent that I picked up, uh, I just felt like his intent wasn't wasn't for me. I felt like with him, it was more so, you know what I'm saying, he's going to make me a little bit of money here and there. Let's go get him this job. And I took that job. Uh, that job was, for my rookie year, it was cool. You know, a lot of people don't, wouldn't take it now, but it was me understanding the business aspect of it, and I took that job. Well, I lit it up in Netherlands. I played in the Netherlands. Um I was averaging like 19, 20 points a game in the Netherlands. I had two more guys that were averaging like 17, and another guy was averaging 20 for my team. And we were going to win it until my team um, went bankrupt. And that kind of derailed everything. Um, as far as my, my professional career, not everything, but that year, I had to sit out. I had to wait for like a couple of months. I was – with my uncle, um, he was living in the uh, in the part of the Netherlands called the uh, Den Haag, and I was trying to train the best way I can. I did, couldn't get to no basketball or anything. And then another team in the same league that we, the team that we had just beat and took the number one spot for, uh, had called me up, wanted me to play or whatever, and I I, I knew I was going to go there and not play as much, but I was going to be with a successful team. And I just finished off the season there. And from there on then, I kind of figured out what what this aspect of overseas basketball really was that a lot of people don't understand. So ever since then, I, I fired that agent. I, um, I got me another agent that was more so well about me. And I just started thinking everything is a business from now on. I got the list of countries you've played in. If I'm missing anything, let us know, but we'll just read it real quick. Um, Netherlands, then Denmark, Germany, Finland, Ukraine in 2018 through 2020, 
you went to Romania, and then Ukraine this season, which I know you've done the whole news cycle circuit for the whole story we're going to talk about in a minute, but you've been all over the, the at least Europe, and I'm sure like as someone, what, you were 23 starting your pro career, going to all these different cultures, a new country every year. Like, What's that like for someone young and kind of getting started as an adult in that kind of scene? It was tough at first, but as time goes on and you start understanding what it's about, you start to be more successful. Well, for me, I've already I've already been traveling. I've been traveling since I was 14. So it wasn't nothing to me. But, you know, a lot of these guys, they think, oh, well, if I don't get to the league, I'm just going to play overseas basketball. Well, it's not that easy, you know. They think overseas basketball is easy until you understand that these guys – just want just as much as you do, you know what I mean? And they're going to work just as hard for it. And they don't care what you're about. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't care that you're an American coming over into their country. They, they, they're going to fight for their positions and everything. And if you're not willing to understand that now you're, you're a full flesh adult, when you go over there, you're going to suffer. You got to learn how to cook unless you want to spend money every day. You got to learn how to, Wash your own clothes. You got to learn how to get up in the morning on your own. You got to, these are the things that people have to learn how to do that certain, these certain kids out here these days, it's like prima donnas just don't understand. And, you know, they, they think like the NBA, oh, I'm going to get to the NBA. I'm going to get to the NBA. Well, let's look at some, you know what I'm saying? Some people who didn't make it, who we were talking about in high school. You know what I mean? Now you got to go through this overseas route. You might need to learn their language to survive. You never know what you may have to do. And so that's why I tell everybody, like, you you, you want to play the game, but do you actually want to play the game? There's so much more that goes into it that people – there's so much more that goes into being a professional athlete. High-major high Division One athlete. It, it, there's so many things. And mentally, the toughness part of things. And – you know, me coaching today, I, I see that with kids, and it's just like they talk, 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 and I'm like, do you really know what it takes? I mean, let, let's go to some practices, and I'll show you. I mean, it's it's a business. You're an, you're an investment to these these coaches in, at, at every level. And, um, you know, it's it's interesting that you, you talk about that because life is a great teacher. And and uh, and I think that's the motivation I, I get from talking to you and hearing you, you tell your story is, your, your 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 perseverance is tremendous and it's a great story and you know I, i'm i'm a firm believer that you have the ability to take what what what's happened to you and you can look at it one of two ways and so honest it's awesome to see you take that the way you you did and to did it and to push through because injuries you know and I, I laugh at the injuries now sometimes about some of these kids i'm like just rub some dirt on it. Let's go. Let's play. I mean, but th you had serious injuries and you pushed through. That's what's so refreshing to see is that toughness come out. And that, that led you to being able to do what you do professionally now, because if you went through all that, this rest is a breeze. I mean, you can, you can handle it. And uh, th that's going to lead into the next question. I think uh, will, or somebody wants to ask you about the, the latest with the U Ukraine thing. I think that's, that's, uh, and I know you've been asked about it a ton, but, uh, I'm sure you're probably tired of talking about it, but lead, lead into lead into that. You want to? I mean, yeah. If you want to, if you want to, just tell us your 
thoughts and feelings on that? Like, you know, just walk us through how you made it out and what you were thinking, I guess, when all that was going on. Yeah, for me, yeah, what what happened was um, I had already been hearing about uh, what was going on in Ukraine before I even left. But when you play there two extra years before and you hear the same thing over and over again, it's like, well, I, I've been there already. They always say something about this, and it never happened. So, all right, we're going to just go over here. This is where I'm more comfortable at. A lot of people know me in the league already. What I can do, the kind of job that I was supposed to get through, all right, well, we're going to – we're gonna go this route, and uh, coached on the younger team of one of the organizations that I was playing on. He was an assistant coach, so he knew everything about me. So when we get there, well, we still stuff about the war and stuff, but we just wasn't too too concerned about it at first. When time started to go on, they started talking about it a lot more than the usual. We were like, all right, we're starting to get concerned. Well, we started having these meetings and stuff about if stuff is about to kick off, what are we about to do? How are we about to take this? What are, what's going on? Like, And, you know, the people in the organization were kind of taking it as a joke because they didn't think it was going to happen. But in all honesty, we were we were the ones like, you know, we got our families telling us every day to get the hell out. And we, we not, we can't get out, you know? So it was after one of the games, two of our players had was just like, we're going to go somewhere else and play. They, by the grace of God, got their letter of clearance because without the letter of clearance, it don't matter how much you want to play, you can't play. It's illegal. And that's what people don't understand is that it goes more into it than just, oh, just getting out. Um after they got their letter of clearance, uh, one had to buy himself out of his contract, so he had to give like, the team back a couple thousand or something like that to get out of his contract um, and go to Spain. But um, when it came down to me, I was the last. I was the last American to get out, and the reason for that was because um, I had just got there. I was literally waiting for a job <laughs> since the early stages. Could not find, could not buy a job. Couldn't find a job. Couldn't find a job. And I was like, "Damn!" So I was, you know, just working out, working out, working out, and the China job comes up. All right, well, that kind of fell through. They obviously picked somebody else because I didn't get there, and um. My coach, uh, his name is Coach Terry, he told me, like, he wanted me to come play for him in Mikolai. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go. And it just just sucks that that happened because I'm like, man, we could have been – we were just getting on the cusp of being a good team. You know, that team was – they only won four games out of months being there. And when I got there, they won two games off the bat. So it was like they knew they needed, you know what I'm saying? I was a spark plug to them winning. Um, right when I got to the point where I was like, you know what, it's time for me to go. 
um, I had just got a, a contract in Qatar. And the day that I was supposed to leave for Qatar was the day the war started. And my the vice president of the team was supposed to come pick me up. He was supposed to take me to the airport so that I can get to Qatar in the morning. Well, he don't get to my house until like the afternoon. And when he gets to my house, no, he didn't even get to my house. When he was close to my house, the sirens started going on. So uh, when the sirens go off, that's when you know bombs, bombs are close to you. Yeah, yeah, it's bombs close to you and everything else. Um, and, and, uh, and everything. So I, um, I had to literally, literally put all my bags back upstairs, call people and figure out like, yo, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I was worried sick. I was most so like, dude, like, I can't believe it. Like I'm stuck here. Like I'm really stuck and I have no money. I was always giving back to my household. That's why I say when people, you know what I'm saying? I played it for myself and I also played it for my family. Like I literally help out with the household, especially with my parents stuff I had to go through. I'm the, like, I'm one of the breadwinners in the house. So I was sending money back home to them. So I had no money to get, catch my own flight or anything like that. And I really, and I rarely ask people for money for that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to go on the back burner and be like, oh, you remember, I, you know what I'm saying? I only asked my family for it. And at the time, my family was like, they couldn't really, they were trying to find the ways of helping, but they could not get. And um, I was talking to my agent and everything like that. And I was like, so what are we about to do? The president now that was telling us it's nothing or we don't have, no, we don't have nothing to worry about, he's already gone. So like, I'm basically like stuck there. Haven't got yet to this day talked to the president after the war started. You know what I mean? So I was just like, man, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And then my coach from Sideline Cancer called my phone and asked me what was going on. And was I still in Ukraine? I told him, yeah, I'm stuck here. I have no ways of getting out. Like, I don't, I don't have no way of getting out. And I could have left earlier, but then these the, the the organization was messing around with my letter of clearance and the money that they owed me. So now I'm stuck trying to get the letter of clearance because even if I get out of Ukraine, if I don't have my letter of clearance, I can never play basketball in overseas again, according to what I know. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they would have changed the rule because of the war type of situation. But at that time, I was so concerned about getting my letter of clearance, I stayed there. And they owed me money. They owed me money from, you know what I'm saying, my time being there. So now I was stuck in between doing two, you know what I'm saying, two things. And um, when, I, when I had got out and got to the Moldavian border, uh, the dude who my assistant coach, I mean, my not my assistant, but my uh, head coach of silent cancer called upon, he was telling me all the plans of what to do. You know what I mean? He was the one that was like, you know, just basically telling me like, we gonna have plans for you, but some things, certain things may not happen. You know what I mean? So uh, at that time, 
he had we had four plans that day of what was going to happen, and it just happened that my assistant coach's daughter and wife were leaving the same day, and we're getting on a we're getting in the cab, and I got in the cab with them and got to the Moldavian border, and that's how I got out of the train. Wow, well, that's amazing, and we're glad we're glad you're home. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. We are so glad you're home. We were hearing all over too, like. I mean, the talk in the town was Maurice Creek's in a bunker in Ukraine. Did you hear about that? I don't know if you guys heard that. I kept hearing that from everybody, man. <laughs> so, yeah, we're glad you made it out. Hey, we, we were praying for you. I'm telling you, we we were. Appreciate that for sure. Um, Yeah, just to echo, definitely glad that you made it out safe, obviously. Um, you know, but with that said, like, after everything did happen and you got out obviously what what are you thinking at this point like for the next steps of your career wise like do you have any idea on what you're gonna do or um where where you might go from here at first i was more so like i don't know if i'm going back overseas you know that was the first thing i was just like i don't know if i'm going back and um you know the team that i'm on now the uh medora timberjacks they were like one of the first people to hit me up before i even was planning on going overseas. And I just told him I was going to take the overseas route with it. You know, I've already been doing it. I was going to just take that. And uh, my thing was when I got back, I was just training so much, training so much just in case, you know, something happened where I may get an opportunity to play somewhere else. And, you know, this team actually called me up again just to, you know, see what I was doing uh, and, how I was doing first, and I told him I was good to go, and you know, I'm here. <laughs> All right, well, we've about hit that one hour mark, um, so I think that's probably where we will wrap this up. But I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. Uh, being that this was our first episode, it was awesome to have somebody like you on here. Uh, we we really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to us and just telling your story because it was awesome to hear and refreshing. Yep. Um, definitely inspirational for some people so but i've got one last question that i love to ask all okay, my never people because I, I do <laughs> I, hey i'm the elder statesman i get i get my one 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 moment i uh did get I, I did give you an invite on uh twitter uh at mo creek to uh maybe come down and talk to my my team but uh so you might might want to go check the timeline out on that one but or i'll dm you but uh <laughs> But I do have what's your top five uh, best Indiana Hoosiers? Top five Indiana Hoosiers in your mind. You can go position or you can go whatever. Or is that too hard? To, it might be too hard to ask because there's a lot of them. But I have my five. But so if I'm going, if I'm going position, yeah, let's do position. Do position. See, I've I've always heard that I, well i've watched a couple of the games like the isaiah thomas and stuff right, like that you right. gotta go isaiah thomas first shooting guard i would say eric gordon love eric gordon shooting guard spot small forward calvert calvert cheney gotta put calvert in there power forward guess you gotta go with scott may right guess you gotta go with scott I don't really know too many centers though. The center spot is this one that's killing me. Um, I mean, I can't put Cody in because he only played one year. Yeah. Cody, but he was, but he was so dominant for us. 
Um, I just don't know who is who would who would get the center spot for me. I always like I, I like Daryl Thomas. I like Daryl Thomas in that spot. Daryl Thomas. Yeah, only because he won the title in uh, in uh, in Dean Garrett. I guess they kind of switched positions uh, in '86, '87. That's when they came in, and well, Thomas was there, but Garrett came in with Keith Smart, who you know hit the shot and whatnot. But I was like, I was like, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you're kind of right. I'm. Uh, that's a that's a tougher one. Just move. You had Calvert Chaney, and then who was your four? He had he had he had May Scott. Just move them both up. Just pick a new wing player. A wing. Oof. Oh man. Um. <laughs> uh. You got Isaiah. You got Air Gordon. You well, got. How about how about uh, 2009 versus University of Kentucky Maurice Creek. <laughs> there you go, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Only reason I don't like put me in that. I mean, if I now if I would have played all my years up, I gotta say I think I would have broke some records. I think I would have broke a lot of records. It's off of what I what I knew and how I know myself. I would I think I would have done some a lot of damage, but I just was going not gonna put myself in it because yeah. you know, he's hum- he's being humble. He's being humble. <laughs> being humble about it, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. I like to ask those questions. We we ask them at all of our things that we do, and we always talk about with other coaches and stuff. We're like, all right, top ten or top top five players in the, you know college and you know whatever, and then we do position. It's just fun to talk to people about it and get their perspective. That's all. So, but I, I I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today, and it's been an honor talking to you. And we're glad you're here, glad you're home safe, and glad to have you back in the Hoosier State for sure. And uh, hopefully our paths will cross again sometime soon. But uh, but I, I, I you know as far as I'm I'm concerned, I uh, I've asked all I can ask right now. So I, I again I appreciate it, Mo, really do. Thank y'all for having me for sure. I appreciate that. All right. Well, that was just. That was awesome talking to Maurice. Yeah, um, the best. I mean, we're both IU fans. Yeah, and I mean, we loved him. Yeah, I, I remember watching him when I was in middle school. I, it, it was a crazy thing to see him play so good when he was a freshman, and now getting getting to talk to him and just kind of go through all that stuff through his career was fantastic. I'm really happy that we were able to do it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with that being said, though, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, if you haven't already, just please like and subscribe to our. Um, podcast and you can find us at all indie sports yes all indie sports just have yeah, the podcasting just, network yep just had to make sure I, you're new at this it's your first episode yeah all indie sports podcast network okay leave a review follow us on blue buds hoops on instagram and we will maybe give you a shout out on the next episode no we definitely will if you ask it has to be a five-star review <laughs> oh yeah true 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 and uh, you want to thank our title sponsor? I do. I want to thank our title sponsor, Jack Brown Videography, the best videographer in the Louisville, Kentucky area. If you haven't hit him up already. Oh, and Indianapolis. And Indianapolis. Actually, wherever. It doesn't matter. If you haven't booked him for any type of event, wedding. Yeah, Maui. We're, Maui. Ta- we're talking Maui. We're talking Costa Rica. Hey, let me just tell you. We're almost into May, June, July, August. I'm just going to name all the months. Well, it's, it's wedding season coming up. Jack Brown Videography is booked up this year, but if you're getting married 2023. Hey, if you if you need a videographer, he's the best. Yeah, and that's we're doing these say. ad reads on all of the podcasts now because that's who's paying for these podcasts. That's right. It's a, it's a, a tax, a business expense. So shout out Jack Brown Videography. 
And again, Will, I'll let you do the outro because I was about to do it. I'm so used to doing this. But if you want to thank Maurice again and wrap this thing up, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Just big thank you uh, to Maurice Creek for taking the time to talk with us today. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, and uh, Chris would be doing this outro too, but it looks like he's out there making a spear or something with that I, that arrowhead I body. Think, I think he must have found a good one. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. For Jack, for Chris, I'm Will. Thank you again for listening. Until next time. Seconds for now, all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. And heard about him, and now we know about him. A star on the NCAA tournament stage, Stephen Curry leads.